1: Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're honored to be talking to Dr. Will Draper. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy?
0: Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
1: Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and really excited. To be able to interview Dr. Will Draper, a fellow veterinary colleague. Dr. Draper, thank you so much for taking the time to be on ER Vet today.
0: It is my Pleasure.
1: How are you? I'm good. Give us a little bit of background about who you are. I know you're a small animal veterinarian in the Atlanta area, that you are the co founder and owner of the Village Vets. And I had the honor of being your co host on the TV show on Nat Geo Wild, Animal ER Live. But tell us a little bit more about you.
0: Well, first, I was your co host. You were not my co host. And secondly, yeah, I am a very presently in the in the summer heat here in metro atlanta a very busy small animal practitioner at um our largest of our three practices which is the village vets of decatur which is a 24-hour practice my wife is uh also a veterinarian dr francoise tyler and she is the co-founder of the village vets and we have four beautiful children who are quickly becoming adults between ages of 21 and 15 and um life is good i'm just uh it's a bit hairy and busy so i'm glad to take some time to sit here and um chat with my friend well, about thank some you good so much.
1: Stuff. thank you and tell us about your pets too what kind of pets do you have
0: well we have four dogs we have two golden doodles max and louis we also have a french bulldog by the name of frankie his name is frank sinatra and we actually just adopted a young australian labradoodle who we named Carter Beaufort. I'm a big fan of the Dave Matthews band and Carter Beaufort is their drummer and the best drummer in the world, in my opinion. So my dog, we, we call him Bobo for short, but his name is Carter Beaufort. And he is keeping us busy in the house right now because he's 12 weeks old and he has a lot of work and energy.
1: Excellent. I think we always forget about those puppy stages, but
0: before- yeah, I, I don't know why I don't know why we got a puppy. I don't <laughs> I love him, but my, my 15-year-old daughter talked us into it. And before I knew it, we had a puppy at the house and he is, it's, I forgot how much work they are, but he is wonderful.
1: Okay. So let's start with that. How much work puppies are. People often forget about this. This is just like childbirth. You forget about it. You block it out. Tell us maybe two to five tips that you have for people who are getting ready to get a puppy or thinking about it that they can do to mentally and physically prepare for puppyhood.
0: You know, it's hard to, I don't care if you've had puppies before or not had them, um, it's hard to always be mentally prepared because like kids, every puppy is different, but they are a lot of work. If you are not used to having a puppy or have never had one, what I generally suggest to people who are considering it, if they come to us before they do it is, you know, uh, find a friend or a colleague who has a puppy. Spend some time with that puppy, get to know them, have an idea of what type of lifestyle you want to have with a puppy. If you are more of a homebody, there are particular breeds you might want to stick with, like uh, you know, a dachshund or French bulldog. If you're more active, you probably wanna look at some one of the working breeds or sporting breeds, something like a Labrador Retriever or a Labradoodle. And those those types of dogs need a lot of exercise and activity. Uh, Even some of the smaller dogs like Jack Russell Terriers are not dogs you want to keep indoors a lot. They need to be out and active in order to be healthy and uh, social. So first of all, you, you need to know what it is you're looking for and then be prepared for a lot of work because it's like having a baby. They need to be trained. You have to make sure you feed them properly. It's a lot of in and out taking them in and out to go potty, as we say. And then a lot of times they'll come back in the house and still have an accident. And you have to understand that like a baby, they don't know what's going on. So um, you have to be very patient with it. It, surely, it certainly takes a lot of patience and understanding that you will probably for a few months not get as much sleep as you're used to. But it generally, uh, with the hard work you put into it, it's usually the result is usually worth it.
1: Great. My general rules when people are thinking about getting a puppy is they have to be mentally prepared to take that puppy to obedience classes. So I usually recommend two levels of obedience classes. So usually two semesters, and they should be committed to walking that dog for 30 minutes a day, two 15 minute walks. And I say, if they can't do that, they're not committed to that. Honestly, they should reconsider whether or not to get a puppy because you're right. It is so much work. It's a lot of expense, especially the first year. And it's a lot of behavioral training. And I always say as a toxicologist, you also want to crate train your puppy. You want to make sure they're socialized and you want to make sure they're protected from infectious disease. So before we get into too much, because I see so many parvovirus cases in the animal ER at the vet clinic, can you give me a little information on how many vaccines do they need? Is one vaccine protective if they got it from the breeder and when do I start them and how many vaccines do they actually have to go through for a whole puppy series?
0: That is a great question. And another thing I would touch on with what you said is you hit it right on the head that you have to be willing to spend the time to exercise that pet, take them for a walk. You know, 30 minutes is great for a lot of them. Some of the brachiocephalic breeds, particularly when the weather's a little warmer, you may want to take a little shorter period of time because they may not be able to handle a longer walk. But, you know, know, know the breed, do your research, and crate training is very important. You know, a lot of people feel it's cruel to keep them in a crate, but for them, it's uh, like they're dead. It's protective and they can learn to appreciate it just like you'll learn to appreciate it. And as far as vaccinations, you know, we generally, it kind of, as you know, it depends on when you start them because as they get older and their immune systems get stronger, depending on what age you start their vaccines, they may not need as many vaccines in their series, but we'll take it, we'll go along with it as if we're talking about a nine, eight, nine week old puppy. And generally at nine weeks, sometimes six weeks, but nine weeks, they'll start their series Uh, A lot of times, breeders will start them at six weeks, so they'll get a series of vaccinations at six weeks, which usually starts with their distemper parvo vaccine. We always generally give them a dewormer and or check their stool to see if there are any intestinal parasites that they need to be protected against. And then they get that series every three weeks until they're 15, 16 weeks of age. And with each series, generally, they will get a distemper and parvo vaccine which protects them against some of the viruses that puppies are very susceptible to like you said parvo which can be deadly if they get it so you want to make sure they get those series every 3 weeks until they're just about 4 months old with the last set they generally will get a rabies vaccine at that time which they have to get because that's the law in between with the series at nine weeks and 12 weeks, you know, depending on their lifestyle, they may get a kennel cough vaccine. They may get a vaccine to protect them against leptospirosis, which as you know, is a bacteria they can get from drinking lake water and puddle water that can affect their liver and kidneys. So a lot of it depends on lifestyle and something that, you know, you have a discussion with your veterinarian about to know what's best, but it is very important. They get each series and get them on time. I
1: think it's so important. A lot of people think, "Oh, well, he already got two vaccines at the breeder, he's protected." And the important thing to remember is your puppy isn't protected until the immune system is strong enough to respond to the vaccines. Absolutely. And and most veterinarians want to treat your puppy or your dog or cat just the same way they would if it was their own pet. So, for my own dog, I did the same exact thing. I did one DHPP vaccine starting at about six weeks of age, then every three to four weeks until my dog was about 14 to 15 weeks of age. And then I did the rabies vaccine at 14 weeks of age. Now you brought up a great point about leptospirosis and we've had an episode on that before on Vet, So definitely check that out. But leptospirosis is really common. And what we're seeing is that It's more common, more recently, in small dogs, less than 10 pounds, even if they don't swim. And it's important to vaccinate your dog for this because once dogs develop it, new data says there's a 30% mortality. They go into kidney failure. And so the vaccine can help protect them. So definitely talk to your veterinarian about that. Now, one quick question before we take a break. You mentioned something called brachiocephalic and related it to exercise. What the heck is brachiocephalic and what breeds get that and what do I need to know about that?
0: Well, you know, they're the flat-faced dogs, like Pekingese, like French Bulldogs, Bulldogs, Pugs, even Boston Terriers. Their respiratory nasal passages are a lot shorter than those longer snouted dogs like Labrador Retrievers, Airedale Terriers, things like that. So they will become overheated a lot faster. They can't cool their bodies off as quickly with panting and breathing as some of the longer snouted dogs so you have to be careful with how much activity they have how much exercise they get and how much they are exposed to hot weather because they are more prone to have respiratory issues and and more prone to have hyperthermia be overheated than some of the dogs with the longer snouts so um that's important to know if you have one of those breeds like i do i have french bulldogs and i also have as i said golden doodles so our golden doodles we can take out in this type of weather where right now in atlanta it's um averaging you know between 75 80 degrees and pretty warm and they can go out and run at the park and throw the frisbee that is not something my french bulldog frankie can do because he just can't handle that level of activity and, and the weather as well as they do so you just have to be careful and know your dog and know the breed
1: Great point. I always say if your dog snores while he's sleeping, he's probably brachycephalic. And so you do want to be careful about running with them and talk to a veterinarian about it because there are certain things they can do surgically to help potentially fix that smushed nose brachycephalic syndrome so they breathe better. So just be aware you do want to be careful exercising them because they can't release heat or breathe quite as well. We'll continue with this really important topic and our interview with Dr. Will Draper after these messages from our sponsors.
2: Do you have an accident prone dog or cat? Well, if your dog or cat goes into the ER for an emergency, it's often unexpected and can be expensive. Well, here's something that can help. USO is a community based cost sharing health coverage plan for pets. Community is at the heart of USO, where members commit to help one another when their pets have unexpected health needs. USO isn't an insurance or a provider, but it's a platform that allows members to share expenses together safely and secretly. So, what's part of USO's secret sauce? Complete transparency on where their users' money is going. USO members pay a flat subscription fee, $17 a month, plus a portion of shareable expenses. That flat subscription fee covers the use of the platform. And the monthly shareable expenses, which will never exceed $48 a month, will vary depending on how many expenses are submitted by the group that month. Save over 80% compared to traditional pet insurance by paying a flat subscription fee. For more information, go to USO.com. That's E-U-S-O-H dot com.
0: Use promo code PETLIFE and get your first two months free at USO.com e u s o h dot
2: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. Pet dot com.
1: Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Lake Radio. Really honored to have Dr. Will Draper on with us today. We've been talking about the importance of should I get a puppy? What do I need to know about getting a puppy? The importance of vaccines and preventative medicine. And next, I wanted to talk to you about heartworm and flea and tick medication. Is this just a way for vets to make money or what the heck is all this stuff actually doing or costing me? Why do dogs and cats need to be on these medications?
0: That's a great question. And, you know, sometimes people feel that it is just a racket that we're doing, try to um, up our average sale per client. But it is a real concern, and particularly in the southern states, the southeastern states and as years have progressed is moving a little further north and west particularly heartworms heartworms are worms that literally can be in the heart and circulatory system of dogs and even cats and ferrets and uh what happens is that it's transmitted from a mosquito a mosquito bites a dog who's affected with heartworms takes that blood meal and when they go and bite another dog There is a saliva droplet, if you will, that has a larva in it called microfilera that gets into the bloodstream and over a period of a few months that those baby larvae become adult worms that will lodge in the heart and the uh, pulmonary artery of dogs and cause them to have respiratory issues and ultimately cardiac disease and heart failure. So it is very, very important to keep your dog on a preventative that will destroy those microfilera, the baby heartworms, if you will, before they can become adults. And it's important that they get it each month. And here in the South, particularly in in, in the Atlanta area, it needs to be year round. There are some states where they will recommend it during the spring and summer months when you tend to have more mosquitoes. But here in the South, it's definitely recommended year round. And a lot of the heartworm medications most of them now actually also protect against intestinal worms, which are also a big deal that you have to be careful with hookworms, roundworms, because some of those can even be transmitted and, uh, can affect humans you know particularly children so you want to make sure your pets are protected against that and then also a lot of the heartworm preventatives now also have a flea preventative that can help to kill and control fleas as well so as as, as all of it all in one so it's very important to do that and make sure you know depending on where you live whether it's something you do year round or a particular time of the year and your veterinarian should certainly be able to tell you that
1: and I think it's so important. If you ask your veterinarian, do you keep your dog or your cat on these medications? They will say yes. So, the reason why we're doing it is to protect your dog and cat. We never want to bring in fleas and ticks into the household because they can spread a lot of diseases Lyme disease, flea anemia, severe allergies to fleas. So, a lot of diseases that we can see. And if you've ever adopted a dog that potentially had heartworm disease, you know they have chronic coughing, chronic lung damage from it. A lot of these dogs actually have to be exercise restricted for a year because of the potential side effects from having heartworm disease. So it can be debilitating. And the frustrating thing is it's totally preventable. I live in Minnesota and even I keep my dog on year round heartworm medication. When it comes to flea and tick medication, I use a fast acting oral flea and tick medication, typically from March to November, because we have severe ticks in this area, and I don't want the chance of my dog or my cats getting sick from it. Great information.
0: Let me add, or, you know, and with ticks, that's important to note too, that they can transmit diseases to your pet that can be preventable by using a flea and tick preventative. And, uh, you know, as you know, Justine, if your dog gets heartworms, it's very expensive to treat. It wreaks havoc on their body, and it's just something that by doing a monthly preventative, which may seem expensive and cost prohibitive sometimes, but really when you think about the expense and, and the cost to, that heartworms can wreak on your pet, it's worth every penny to do the monthly preventative. So great, great um, notes there.
1: All right. My last question for you, Dr. Draper, is when I have owners who say, you know, their dog needs to be spayed or their dog needs to undergo a dental procedure or their cat's going to be sedated for, you know, hair clipping or anything like that, a lot of pet owners get really worried about sedation and about anesthesia. And I was wondering if you could talk to us, because I know you do general anesthesia every single day, if you could talk to us about the pros and cons and what the risks are and what we need to know
0: about. That is a great question. And an important thing you said is risk. You know. Every veterinarian understands, even though we do anesthesia every day and generally, almost always, we don't have any problems, but there is always a risk with anesthesia, be it for a major surgery or be it for sedating them to have a groom or have sometimes sedating them to have their nails trimmed. It's always when you put something in an animal's body, that's going to drop their blood pressure, slow down their metabolism, slow down their heart rate. You know there's going to be a risk and you worry about things like respiratory distress and failure ultimately cardiac failure and in the worst cases death you know i actually had this conversation with a couple of clients today who like most dogs that come in here their dogs had a lot of dental tartar and calculus and and build up on their teeth and some inflamed gums which we call gingivitis because dogs don't brush their teeth and a lot of clients don't brush their dog's teeth and quite frankly if you don't start brushing their teeth fairly early sometimes they won't be agreeable to you brushing their teeth so people should have their teeth cleaned every six months or so on average but fortunately we don't have to be put under anesthesia because of the anesthesia and because it's more practical to do it less frequently in pets i generally recommend in most dogs you try to get their teeth cleaned every two years. And some animals need to have it more frequently, but just because they have to go under anesthesia and you do need to have that concern, you have to know that your veterinarian is gonna take all precautions to make sure they're okay. We monitor their heart rate. We use very safe injectable and inhalant medications to keep them under anesthesia and monitor them and wake them up quickly. And another important thing to know A lot of animals that we see that have reactions to anesthesia are young animals coming in for the first time to get spayed or neutered. And I tell a lot of clients, if your pet, who is now three or four or five, if they did fine with their spay and neuter, they're probably less likely to have any anesthetic problems when they're older to get their teeth cleaned so they can be rest assured that it's probably less a lot less likely they're going to have any problems even as they get older because as long as they're healthy older dogs can handle anesthesia just as well as some of the younger ones because old age is not a disease fortunately but there's some things that you have to monitor and make sure are okay before you put them under anesthesia for the best and safest outcome possible. So, you know, we generally will do some lab work, pre anesthetic will do, check their red blood cell count, check their liver values, kidney values, all these things that filter the anesthesia through their body to make sure they can handle it okay and still monitor it very closely while the procedure is being done. So, if you trust your veterinarian, you should trust uh, to allow them to do what is necessary for your pet.
1: I agree. I especially agree with age is not a disease, especially since we've both been practicing 20 plus years Yeah, and we're older, but I do agree. I would say age is not a disease. It doesn't necessarily increase the risk for anesthesia, but older dogs and cats do oftentimes have diseases like diabetes or thyroid problems or other underlying disease. And that's why Dr. Will is emphasizing we oftentimes do recommend doing blood work to look at the kidney function the liver function the white and red blood cells before we take your dog or cat to anesthesia again the risks are minimal we do everything to prevent those risks but i always tell people i even tell my staff pets if i'm about to sedate them that just like if you or i as humans were about to be sedated or anesthetized there are always rare 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 risks but we we always do things to prevent it that said my little tip is if your dog or cat is aggressive or reactive at the veterinary clinic, the best thing you can do is talk to a veterinarian before you even make that appointment because oftentimes we can have you give oral medications the night before or two hours before the appointment to help make everyone relaxed. And that often minimizes the risk for sedation. So, when in doubt, please always know your vet is your advocate. And they're trying to work to help save your dog or cat's life, to help prevent any kind of diseases, and to really look out for the welfare of your dog or cat. Well, Dr. Draper, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate you taking the time in your really busy schedule to join us today on ER Vet.
0: Anytime. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
1: Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. You can find The Village Vets on Facebook at The Village Vets or Dr. Will and Dr. Fran on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You can find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me any of your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time and we want to thank our guests, Dr. Will Draper and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode.